In this episode, I sit down with Shane from Ancient Lair, and we talk about modules, kickstarters, and a lot more. So stay tuned. If you're enjoying these episodes, first, I want to thank you for your listenership. Your support means the world to me. And for those of you who are just tuning in to the podcast, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. And after this episode, leave us an honest review. Hopefully, it's a five-star review, but leave us an honest review. Your reviews actually help me um, gauge what you all want in the audience. But your reviews, especially when they're a five-star, help the channel grow. So be sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave that review. Three, two, one. All right, we're live. How you doing, sir? I'm good. Thanks, Brian. Yourself? I can't complain. I'm doing well. Um, it's good to uh, talk to you again. It's been, I know it's been a while since we last spoke. And I know we were speaking a little bit before the episode, just kind of talking about the status of the campaign medal that you sent me. So folks mm -hmm. who are listening to the podcast who may or may not know, today we have a really special guest, uh, Shane from Ancient Layer. Shane, an Ancient Layer, really, if for the folks who are going to see this, this is the box in which the campaign medal that the beautiful Tiamat uh, campaign medal that you sent me. And again, I'm not just showing this because I have you on, but for the folks out there seeing this, there is a video that I made about this campaign medal. It's actually one of the, it's a very beautiful piece. And we were talking about this. It's a beautiful piece, not only from a design perspective, but the intention behind it and how you get to have a physical representation of something that you earn. So Shane, if you don't mind introducing yourself to the audience, telling us who you are and how you started Ancient Layer. Sure, definitely. So hi, everyone. My name's Shane, uh, the founder of Ancient Layer. Um, and like Brian just said, uh, we run a couple of um, Kickstarter campaigns. Um, and essentially, the, the aim of the, the first two that we uh, kind of generated, like you said, Brian, was just to kind of create that uh, physical, that visceral experience to enhance the tabletop um, playing aspect of a game to really bring something physical and, and usable into your games. I know you said that you used the, the uh, uh, medal for an inspiration token yes, um, we did. used it in our in our games for kind of a um an npc rewarding a medal to, oh, cool. to everybody as a kind of a finalization point in the last session which went down really well so there's a number of different ways you could use it um but i, I suppose essentially the going back maybe four or five years now um, that we really um, were getting into D&D &D quite a mm -hmm. bit um, and we've played other tabletop games as well. Um, we were coming to the end of um, the Curse Strahd campaign that one of my friends yes. was running. Yep. Um, and we had played um, for probably uh, just under a year or so this campaign. Um, okay. And I wanted to create something um, to mark the finish of it. It had been a, quite an epic journey. We had all gone on. It was our first like uh, major campaign that we had done. Um, mm -hmm. And we all had uh, miniatures or printed miniatures, something like that to, to use. Um, so the first Kickstarter we run was actually something called an epic dungeon display. Um, and that essentially was a, um, a scenic, scenic piece that you could uh, create and paint. So it was um, uh, molded with resin. Mm -hmm. um, and it was basically a display place for a couple of the miniatures we had, a couple of the bad guys we had. Um, and it was just something that I was doing in my spare time, trying to kind of like muddle it together. 
um, and it just kind of snowballed into this thing of oh actually people are enjoying this on social media they, they said they'd love it, like a copy of it um, so we worked with a couple of people here in the UK um, one mainly zealot miniatures who've done a couple okay. of other uh, kickstarters as well for for that kind of thing uh, and we worked with uh, a um, designer called Levon Archer who was, who was really good and we put together this um, epic dungeon display which is basically Strahd's throne room um, and we had oh, a little sweet. bit of etched uh, etched metal in the back of it that kind of uh, was a stained glass window um, and you could uh, you know paint it create it how you wanted to and it was a, a first Kickstarter. We didn't really know what we were doing. We just kind of ran in head first. Mm -hmm. um, and it seemed to work out. We, we hit our goal. We produced, I think, uh, over around 60 of them. Um, oh, nice. Shipping worldwide, which again was a whole new thing for us. And it was just something that was done out of um, our downstairs living room, <laughs> essentially. Yeah, so for sure. um, so it, it worked well. Um, and we got a little bit of a, a following from it. That's awesome. Um, and you mentioned you you know you've been playing some of the modules. How long have you been playing D and D for? You know, is has it been? You know, did you start out with the modules, or were you playing before like Curse of Strahd and all that? No, so we actually started out with the modules. So the the first oh, cool. time we sat down together um, was um, to play um, the Minds of Fendelva. Um, yes. It was it was something that uh, a couple of us had. Um, either listened to in podcasts. I know a couple of our friends were really into Critical Role at the time. Um, and it was something that we kind of approached, shall we try this out? Um, mm. So I was the unfortunate soul who was the uh, the DM for our first campaign. And nice. as you, as everyone can probably imagine, um, the chaos ensued was uh, hilarious and we of had course. a great time. Um, my style is, is, is quite open and free, it's just not to worry about the rules too much and mm -hmm. just kind of let the game flow. Um, even as a noob DM, I kind of just went with that mindset and we all had a blast. The players destroyed Vendelva and um, <laughs> nice. it, was, it was great. So we had a really good time. That's, um, obviously that's absolutely fantastic to hear. Um, I also want to know a little bit more about how you felt as a new, as a new DM running a module. Did you like the module? aspect of it did or did you kind of did you have a certain opinion of saying mm, i will change this aspect of it even as a new dm yeah definitely so as as a new dm when, when i was looking through I, I kind of kept it um relatively to script um okay. and and uh, trying to learn the rules and and how it works and stuff as we go through um it, it was it was relatively easily um followable and you could push players in the right directions but um you know they could easily miss cues like at mm. the beginning there's some dead horses which they're meant to investigate um but obviously new players are just like yeah there's dead horses let's carry on down the road to fend yeah. over um, yeah. so so we had had little bits like that but that was probably me not explaining you know that they had goblin arrows in them or something like that so um mm. it was all it was all new to the experience um i think reflecting on it the the story aspects of it as a new DM, I didn't really have those NPCs or that flow mm -hmm. or that urgency for the players. Um, so it was very much a bad guy does bad things. You, you, you have a prerequisite in your background that you don't like this guy. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't, it wasn't really, um, it wasn't um, uh, authentic. It didn't build up normally like it normally would in a game. It was very much, uh, you have this predisposition mm -hmm. of this person and as you go through, um, so I, I think some of the other campaigns that we've done or are currently running, um, 
either myself or my friends have um, taken the basis or the kind of um, the base module and morphed it into something else. So um, they're the modules themselves are great for people that don't have a massive amount of time to prep either their own world, you know, mm -hmm. with that comes religion, maps, um, places, towns. So they're great for a, a quick reference guide. Um, so we, we, we tend to have these sprawling campaigns that come from this base version of the book, but um, have all these different branches off, have all these different additions and have all these homebrew aspects to it. Um, but at the core of it, it is the Curse of Strahd or it is Descent into Avernus or it is um, Storm King's Thunder. And, and it's, it's interesting that you bring that up because I know, um, and we've talked about this before about modules versus homebrew. I think a lot of people in the community have talked about that. <laughs> Um, what are some of the benefits that you see now, you know, five plus into playing Dungeons and Dragons? Um, what are some of the benefits that you see to running a module? Yeah, so like I said, so it's, it's, it's really good for people who don't have a massive amount of time. It's, uh, I think that you can, you can pick up a book and you can read through it and you can get a general gist of how the story is meant to flow. Who's the antagonist? Mm -hmm. um, how the players are going to interact with the world or this part of the world? Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think that it's great to have a enclosed space to a degree um, for play for people that um, want a a game to to quickly jump into. Um, obviously, these right. epic fantasies that we've played a couple of them. So, uh, Storm King's Thunder, as an example, has a whole Sword Coast to go through. For um, sure. So, my friend who DM'd that was there was a lot more involvement in that because there's a massive amount of places that you can just stumble across. Or hang on, we want to head this way. Um, whereas with something like Strahd or Descent into Avernus, they tend to be contained within their realm or within their um, section of space. So it gives you a playground, but it doesn't overwhelm you with um, too much information. And I think that you can really make a great uh, campaign based on, uh, uh, again, it might be a smaller list than you, you would mm -hmm. use to if you had this epic world, um, but you can really concentrate and gain um, a bit more of a atmosphere by only concentrating on maybe, I don't know, six cities or something like that, rather than a whole continent. Something that I've always thought about, it has been, because I, I'm pretty strict on homebrew in the regards that I mostly use it. I see the benefit, though, of incorporating modules into your game, especially something I've talked to with veteran players and veteran DMs, but also newer players and newer DMs, where they have had this kind of feeling of, well, how do I marry the two, right? How do I join the two together? And something that I, I like to propose to individuals is to say, hey, if you are running a homebrew, why not use a module as a way to almost shift, right? You're, you're shifting the story, which is still in the big picture. You're still telling the story mm -hmm. where you're shifting perspectives of saying, okay, now, which again, this is, you know, several ideas where you can go and you can have your, the characters you're, you're playing, your main characters, and for some reason, they get transported into another dimension or to another plane of existence. And that plane is now the module that you're going to run, right? So let's use Curse of Strahd. Because I think Curse of Strahd is one of those um, really great examples. Because, you know, well, actually, spoiler alert for those people who have not played. Um, 
you're in a pocket dimension. Mm-hmm. So as you know, I guess that would be the best definition, but you're yeah. in a pocket dimension and you arrive at this pocket dimension and you have to pretty much solve this mystery, solve this case, so to speak. I, I don't want to go too deep into it, but that pocket dimension, you know, is really important because it says that you, you know, it kind of gives you an idea where you could be transported or teleported into another world pretty easily due to magic or due to someone's magical intent, as I like to say. And what I love about that is you can marry the homebrew aspect and the module aspect. You can combine those together. You can even say, you know what, I'm going to run this module with completely different characters that are now a part of the story and they can act as NPCs. You know what I mean? Like you can do so yeah. many things with and them. I mean, I mean, I mean, that's what's great about them. So uh, again, spoiler alert, but the Vistani in the um, Curse of Strahd campaign, if you have this kind of like, I don't know, this bar, this cheeky chappy who, who the characters know, um, it's, it, it'd be great to introduce them or he could, you know, stab them in the back and bring them into this realm. Um, and you can start the story from there and just basically say, you know, you're stuck here, how'd you get out? Um, and Avernus uh, descent into a Avernus, you know, a city's gone missing, essentially. So that doesn't have to be Altarail. It could be, um, you know, one of your homebrew cities, one of the characters' cities. It could be anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can essentially plug that into the story. You can have as many characters as you want yep. in there. You really don't have to have hardly anything from the setting of the book. Um, but it just gives you quite a cool, and normally quite epic storylines for the characters to, to run through. Um, and like I said, our, our campaigns tend to take a lot longer because we have that base of the book, but we really branch out with all these different stories, places and homebrew elements that we kind of bring in. So we probably do it a bit opposite to you where we have the base okay. story and we bring homebrew stuff into it. Or it sounds like you have your homebrew and you kind of branch out to the to the elements. So uh, both are completely viable. Um, it's just something that we've always done. So one of the beautiful things about, you know, modules, and I, and, and I don't know if you agree with me or not, and I'd love to hear your opinion on it, is that you can take any module, convert it to the edition you want. So for example, you know, a fifth edition module um, or something that you want to convert to fifth edition, you can take it and pretty much plug and play it wherever you can. And, and you don't have to homebrew. You could quite literally run multiple modules every day or you know every session until you want to run another module in your opinion what do you think about that theory but more importantly do you think that's even a good thing to do from a storytelling perspective yeah so i think i think it's always good to have a, a number of story strands or another hooks that the um mm-hmm. the players can follow to, to make sure they don't feel too um condensed into this one story arc on on, on rails some people say so um especially in these um pockets like you said strad is a pocket dimension so you want to make sure there's enough for them to do enough places to go enough people to see Mm-hmm. um to to run it but like i said there's no there's no there's no harm in, in chucking in extra modules and running number of mo- modules alongside each other or even chucking something into strad's realm or out of it um mm-hmm. so the famous death house scene at the beginning you could put that in just a creepy town um it doesn't mean Very, if you're running one section of it you don't have to do the whole thing you can even if you just like strad as a bad guy you can bring that vampire out into your homebrew so i think the books themselves serves as just great inspiration like anything does 
a good TV show, a good book. Um, mm-hmm. These are obviously just a little bit more geared to the D&D and, and tabletop, but um, running multiple modules, again, it might not be the easiest thing to do from a DM's perspective, sure. perspective but yeah, you could, uh, it'd be interesting to, to try that. What's your least favorite thing about modules? Now, obviously this doesn't have to be the official content. It could be anything written for fifth edition that is a module, but what is your least favorite aspect of a module? So I think uh, one of my least favorite aspects is anything that requires the player to do a certain thing. Um, Mm -hmm. Knowing my players and the group of friends that we play with tend to be a little bit off the wall or do something a little bit crazy. So if this person, if this particular person has to survive in order for it to be the story that goes through, or if there's a thing that they need to pick up or identify, um, it kind of ruins the module. So then you have to do more work to um, keep it tangible and realistic to the story. Um, So if this character dies, then I don't know, maybe that's the whole ending or the next five levels of content they're meant to do, you then have to kind of think of new stuff to, to kind of come in and do some homebrew or, or kind of rework it some way of shape or form. Um, so so the, the, the official modules are quite good at giving multiple options for things okay. um, or multiple branching storylines and things to do. But I've definitely used a couple, so like DMs Guild, that have a, a single point that you funnel into and it tends to um, never go as you expect because that's how D&D goes Um, and it can uh, require a bit of on-spot thinking or a bit of extra work. So in in other words then some of the modules sometimes can be either too invested in this one character PC NPC item whatever it may be in order to continue the story versus a module you know could be written for more of a generalized ability to storytell where if you can you know it's not solely dependent upon a singular item um if that's what i'm understanding correctly yeah definitely and i I think i think to go into the mindset of running a a um a published adventure you need to have that um that freedom that comes with it um, mm-hmm. A lot of people think that you're restricted to doing what it says in the book. Uh, you, like I said, you, you, t- you totally don't have to follow the story. You don't have to have this character in there if you don't like them or if you want this person to be more prevalent than you can do or if you mm-hmm. want to, like I said, put it, bring in your homebrew stuff. So uh, like any D&D game, you need to be um, uh, free with what your players do to affect the world. Um, so you're definitely not constricted to the um following it by abc you know you can you you have freedom to move around it and i think that's key if you're using a module to to really embrace the the chaos and uh, move around as much as you can so you know with all that being said with you know for let for the audience member out there who let's say just tuned in to this episode which if you have thank you (laughs) and and it's (laughs) awesome because this question is really in your opinion which module or modules rather, would you recommend someone play or run if it's their first time either being a player or being a a dungeon master? And obviously you can run it down, you know, let's say top five, if you have a top five. Yeah, that's that's really tricky. So, so I think um, I haven't tried the um, the new starter set that D and D have come out with. I forget the name of it. Is it Dragonspire? Oh. Is it or Ice 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 Dragonspire or something like that? Oh, I know what you're um, talking about. It's the, it's I, I forget the name tongue. of it. Um, but I, I think starting with either that or the Mindset of Delvo would probably be the best place to to start. And 
purely only because it comes with a booklet essentially for the dm here's okay. the here's the the easy rules here's the things that you definitely need to know to gotcha. kind of kick the thing off the basics um, so you don't essentially have to, yeah a really simple guide to the basics i mean there's loads of youtube videos or if you watch a podcast of dnd you can kind of pick it up anyway um but i think if you're starting with no preconception that's a really good entry point into the game and like i said it's not going to go perfect the first time something mm-hmm. silly will happen but you just roll with it um and then you know if you there's something that you want to look up after the game then then you can do um so i think they're perfect for new players coming in it gives a minds of fendelva gives a good mix of adventure and bad guy and like i said the story i don't think is brilliant i think you need to do a bit of working to bring it all together um but the 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 it's a very small condensed little adventure that take a couple of sessions um and really give people a flavor for how uh, dnd operates um, and then, like I said, they can either go into homebrew or, or go mm-hmm. into some of the uh, published adventures. Now, on the same note, for someone who has been a dungeon master or a you know player for a long time, uh, so let's say that veteran category, which one of the modules would you recommend playing if they've already had that experience and they're looking for a really cool challenge or they're looking for something that is um, a little bit different from, you know, either their homebrew stuff or from just the typical modules that they produce, which module in your mind says, Oh, this would be perfect for that, you know, veteran gamer. Yeah. So I I think each module serves its own purpose. So I think it kind of depends what you're looking for um, and how you run it. So if you're looking for a um, kind of horror related, quite intense, dark and very difficult at times, if your DM um, puts it that way, then Strahd's fantastic. The, the, the story's great. You can, it's such a great character. You can work with a massive amount. Um, And our DM that run it was brutal with it as well. Um, You know, this is realm that's kind Kind of controlled by this guy and he doesn't you know he wants to play with you and you're his plaything so i'm about um, to play it for the second time and yeah i'm excited because i know what's going to happen but i'm playing with a bunch of people who have never played it before so it's like part of me is like oh i don't want to say anything <laughs> but i really want to say something and i really want to design a character that's like you know grave domain right <laughs> grave that's domain it. cleric that can just be protected but um, and that's, and I think, and you're onto something. I think you said something brilliantly that you said, you know, it's dependent upon those individuals. Because, mm-hmm. like, like um, Waterdeep, right? We all know Waterdeep, but we know the the, you know, what is it? The mad, the mad mage or mad dragon? Um, well, there, there's two. So the, there's the dragon, dragon heist, heist yep. which is great if you're into role playing, and if you, um, yeah. the characters aren't really meant to fight a lot of the bad guys because they only get to level five. Um, but it's a great little story um, if if people are into role role play and kind of that character um, mm-hmm. uh, impersonation. Um, but yeah, the Mad Mage is just a dungeon delving fight, um, fighting through layers of dungeons. So I feel like you're not that's into a really that, good one. If you're if you're not into the fighting, then again, again, it's not going to be fun for the players. But if they really True. like, you know, going through murdering all these people and getting all the loot and getting harder and harder and harder mm-hmm. as they progress down, then they're going to love it. I think that's one of those old. It's very nostalgic of what Dungeon Dragons used to be, which it used to be a really big dungeon dive. At the, yeah. you know, at the, you know, when it first started it, you know, cause we all know it came from uh, a miniature wargaming perspective. So it came from, you know, if it, it, it's almost like, and I know that 
other companies did a great job with their own versions, but Dungeons and Dragons came from, hey, who, you know, if we were to become, if, you know, we were leading these armies, right? If we were the generals of these armies, what's their story? What's their lives, you know, what does their life look like? So it really took that perspective versus, you know, tabletop games now like and you know warhammer one of i mean we anyone who knows tabletop games knows games workshop and knows Mm -hmm. warhammer and even though warhammer fantasy a a, you know they really tried and did a great job in their own light to have a fantasy to have an rpg style game and you know they have had other offshoots but it's not the same right and the um you know, the Mad Mage, that dungeon diving aspect, I feel gives you, gives those veteran players who've been playing 30, 40 plus years that, oh, this is exactly how it was when I first started playing at whatever age. Um, It gives you kind of some of that nostalgia. But speaking about some of the nostalgia and and kind of speaking about some of the things that um, we were talking about earlier with, you know, Ancient Layer and all these cool things that you've been doing, um, I've heard that you have a, a, a Kickstarter coming up soon and I want to talk to you about it because um, like I said, the campaign metal was a beautiful product and it was a very good quality product. Not only from, excuse me. Oh no, of course you're welcome. Um, <laughs> not only from a um, consumer perspective, right? Cause you know, I, I, I look at myself as a consumer, of course I'd buy these products and everything. And I want to make sure that I can give a quality product to my players but from a design perspective i mean you know when i made the video about it the details in this metal are fantastic so i'm pretty i'm anxiously awaiting and knowing that you know whatever you're going to be producing in your kickstarters in the future you're going to have that same love and dedication you have for these campaign medals so if you don't if you don't mind could you please, please, please let us know if, if you can, because I know if there's spoilers, I don't want you to spoil anything, but could you tell us about your Kickstarter and a little bit of that journey? Sure. So the, the new Kickstarter is essentially um, a, a website where you're going to be able to create 2D miniatures um, and have the freedom to um, maneuver pieces of art. Um, you weapons, had me a miniature. Um, I'm in. Yeah. Well, okay, it, there's a number of different um, aspects you can take on this, but the, the main the main kind of um, point is, is for these miniatures. So um, you've seen mm-hmm. websites like um, Hero Forge or Eldritch Foundry, sure. that kind of stuff that uses 3D models, mm-hmm. um, but they can be either you know, expensive or um, unaccessible for a lot of people. Um, so we wanted to create something that was um, 2D based, which we haven't seen a massive amount of. And the ones that are out there um, didn't f- kind of seem that um, user friendly. Um, so we've essentially um, created a, a website where you can go in, you can select your race, you can customize them with facial features, hair, um, you know, you can you put different sets of armor or mix and match from all the armor types on there. We've got you know, wings, cloaks, all that kind of stuff. Um, and really making it simple to um, maneuver these items around, create your character, then you can either uh, print them at home or um, generate them into some sort of digital token to use in like Roll20 or all that kind of oh, bits cool. that we um, use a lot at the moment, obviously due to COVID. Um, so we've spent a massive amount of time on um, building you know, all these different art assets. Um, we've worked with a artist called Omachan Siri, who's um, a, a Turkish artist, and he's just produced these absolutely fantastic um, 
our assets for us. Um, and we can't wait for you guys to have a look at it when, uh, if you go and have a look at the Kickstarter campaign. Um, we've got the, the, you know, loads of weapons. You can, you know, customize all the colors for it. Mm. Um, and it's, it's just meant to be a really easy, really user-friendly, accessible way to log in, create an avatar for your character, whether or not you want to use that on the tabletop, um, by printing it or virtual, or just have it on a character sheet. Um, you'd be able to do that. Um, we also have a couple of additional functionalities for uh, any DMs out there. So we have a, a, an NPC creator in the tool as well. Oh, um, awesome. So you can create things like um, blacksmiths, uh, alchemists, doctors, barmaids, barmen, all that kind of stuff. Um, so if you were going to create a, or start creating a little selection of printable miniatures or characters or NPCs that your players want to go back to, you could easily um, you know, reference them and, and put them on the table. Um, but yeah, that, that's essentially it. There's a lot of other little bits on it as well, like you know, saving mm. your characters and, and all that kind of all that kind of stuff, which you guys can uh, have a have a little look at. But we just really wanted to um, kind of uh, create a something that was simple, easy to use, and, and bring a little bit of, um, like you said, that visual aspect to the game for maybe people who um, don't like to use 3D miniatures or you know don't want to paint them or anything like that, um, and just uh, make something that's easy to use. That's awesome. Um, that's some, and like you said, you don't really see a lot of 2D miniatures and the beauty of 2D miniatures really is it, it's more accessible. It's um, very easy to compile because it's one of those things where you can essentially create a 2D miniature by just printing it. It's as easy as that, right? Um, the design part, yeah, and the design part about it, it's like you said, it's like you can focus more time on that design. You can kind of create more, you can put more emphasis on that time, save money and actually save storage space. Cause I have plenty of, <laughs> I have a lot of storage space that's being eaten up by minis, which I'm not complaining about. Cause as most of y'all know, I have an obsession with miniatures. So that's, that's, you know, it's, it's a love hate relationship, but that's the thing. Like a 2d, I there's no discrimination for me because a 2d miniature is just as important as a 3D miniature as long because all it's doing for me, it's representing that character. It's representing that NPC and the fact that, you know, with what you're saying is that you now have the DR Dungeon Masters Game Masters because I'm also thinking, wow, if you're playing Pathfinder, if you're playing, you know, any other RPG system, you can most likely, that's a fantasy setting. Mm -hmm. You can most likely use your, you know, use this, uh, and it's going to be a website or a software. It's a website. Yeah. So oh, it's going to be easily accessible on the web. Yeah. So you use this website and I can produce, cause I also run a little bit of Pathfinder. I, I run, I run a little bit of everything when I can during on our game nights, I could pretty much print, uh, create and print these NPCs. And I'm, I'm assuming there's, and like you said, there's that saving function. I can save them and pretty much print out and say, oh, I like this NPC so much. It'd be really cool. You know, oh, I can make, you know, make a, a similar NPC. Maybe they're twins and I can print it out, have it ready in 15 minutes for my game. Cause you're, you know, you're also sent, you're, you're saving me, excuse me, time, right? That's a yeah, huge that's function. It's that's it. So we have um, different base options on the website as well. So you can create a character, print it off, and then you literally can cut it out and flip the base over and you're ready to rock and roll with it. Um, so the characters, the, the, um, the people that play the games can save their characters as well. So if they mm -hmm. get a, you know, an upgraded sword or upgraded weapons, they can kind of um, oh, upgrade as they go through awesome. um, and uh, see this character from, I don't know, maybe being a, a, a guard in the city to being, you know, 
fully clad in dragon plate or something, um, you can awesome. kind of uh, have that um, generation. Um, because so we, you don't we found, get that. You don't yeah, so we found in, in a lot of 2D miniatures, um, there's some great artists out there and some people that produce fantastic 2D miniatures, um, but they're always set into what they are. Um, so if you have a dragonborn and you know he's, he's, he's got I don't know, a particular type of legs or a particular type of armor that you, is, is, is kind of representative of your character, but not 100%. Um, it's basic. It's, yeah, this will allow you to be like, right, I want him to have chain mail on, I want him to have lever on, I want him to have a cloak, or I want him to have wings, or whatever it is. Um, you'll be able to, to generate that um, with the tool. Um, and we've worked yeah. with Omachan to create um, a, a, a massive library at the moment um, of these art assets to use. Um, and depending on how the Kickstarter goes, obviously, we've got a lot more planned um, for, for how that goes. Now, you mentioned something, too, with 2D um, miniatures, and, and I think, actually, this would even apply for 3D miniatures. They're set. They're standard. It's kind of basic, right? It's, you know, it sometimes doesn't represent or follow your character as your character progresses in the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's something that, obviously, it's, it's a thing. It's going to happen. But unlike a video game, with a video game, you can obviously see in real time the um, progression of your character, these 2D miniatures are going to have kind of that same similarity. These 2D miniatures are going to be able, you know, according to what you're saying and whatnot, you can, you know, let's say your DM gifts you or grants you this set of armor, or you find this set of armor or, or this holy sword. Now you can pretty much, you don't have to recreate your character. You can pretty much just upload it and get it, you know, pretty much, you know, you know get it in in real time essentially yeah that's yeah, that's essentially it, it needs it, the, the the main focus on this was the accessibility of it and the ease of it like you said it's something that um is is very easy to use the tool itself um and um, when the kickstarter goes live there's a bit of a video to, to show mm-hmm. um what we've produced as the prototype and there's there's loads of art on there that you guys um can can have a look at as well and that's just kind of the, the tip of the iceberg really now, you know, and I might have asked you this question, you know, before the show, um, which I apologize if I'm asking it again, but for the audience out there who might question, well, why, why 2D miniatures out of, out of all the things? Why 2D miniatures? Um, yeah. Is it the customization of it? Is it the ease? You, you know, what kind of went through um, your mind and through your team's mind when you said, you know what, I think this would be a really good benefit to the community? Yeah, so um, like I said, 3D miniatures have uh, you know, been around for, for a massive amount of time and there's already tools um, out there online to, to create 3D miniatures how you want to create mm-hmm. them. Um, but like you said, they, they cost um, a, a, a decent amount um, and obviously you have the shipping fees and all that kind of stuff. And being from the UK, a lot of them are uh, American-based, so it tends to get expensive. Yeah. Um, so one of the main reasons for to picking 2D was just the ease of it. Um, how easy it is to just generate your character, generate your NPCs, instantly yeah. print it and it's done or generate it into a, a virtual token and, and you're ready to go. Yeah. Um, there's there's not anything out there at the moment um, that that will work how Ancient Layer will. The, the accessibility of it and the ability to change and mix and match your armor sets, um, it's very akin to a... Um, a video game where you can select your character, that character creation yeah. process, um, and then select and move the armor around it. 
It's that one hundred percent customization that you get from a video game. Yeah, that's it. It's a lot easier. Um, and like I said, the the process of it is not static. Then you can upgrade it and go through. Um, but we really just wanted to have something that was just really easily accessible, really easy easy to use, um, and just create that um, visual representation for your character. Um, so the the um, 3D models that you have are great for people around the table, but it's uh, you know, if you're not a great painter or something like that, um, you really want to get mm -hmm. just a 2D representation of your character. You can easily share these and get some uh, fantastic quality um, uh, portraits, essentially. And that's cool. And, and you know, again, that I'm really excited to part, you know, to partake in that and to see what it's going to be because, like I said, it, it from from my interpretation and for those folks out there who you know, may say, well, I like my 3D miniatures and, and they're cool and everything. But I think a lot of us can agree that, man, it, get, it gets a lot. It, it becomes a big investment when you are, you know, not only monetarily, but time. Because for me, time yeah. is the biggest thing. If I can't create an NPC and use it in multiple, or if I can't, per, you know, whether it's 3D or, or 2D, if I can't have a miniature that not only safe space, not only looks cool, all those, obviously, the obvious rather. If it doesn't save me time and say, oh, I can use this for multi, you know, for a multi-purpose, multiple games, multi whatever it may be, why am I investing in it? And it yeah. makes me really consider versus with your, with the concept of this Kickstarter and with these 2D miniatures, it makes total logical sense of, oh, I'm saving time. I get to essentially create, I could create a hundred NPCs, which now I really am challenged to create a hundred NPCs <laughs> and, and I want to create um, 2D minis for those. And actually, um, you know, in my mind, I'm like, man, that'd be a really good challenge because yeah. if now I have that possibility, you don't have that possibility in other systems and other uh, softwares even. Yeah. Um, and it's no offense to anyone out there. It's just not right. It's not available it's in the marketplace. There. And and I, I think um, another point you raised is it's, it's really accessible for new players to jump in. So for any any new groups of people that have uh, are coming into D and D, they want to create that character. They can easily do that, and they don't have to spend um, you know ten twenty dollars on a on a three D miniature, which they may or may not. Um, use next time or if you want to i don't know get any of any of your other friends or families joining they can easily create this avatar for themselves um without um having to put a lot of uh, investment in up front and it's not only restricted to D, &D it seems it's no, pretty much no. any fantasy setting yeah so yeah it's all fantasy based at the moment um omar chan is a fantastic artist um and his sci-fi stuff is crazy um so we'd oh, love to uh hopefully how, depending on how when the kickstarter goes we'll, we'll see where we get but um he he's got a massive uh, repertoire of, of art and he's um yeah he's 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 a fantastic artist and we can't wait to see what else uh, we can work with him on well, for the folks out there listening, um, I will definitely sh be sharing the link to the Kickstarter when you provide it for, you know, obviously when it's live. Yep. Um, for the folks viewing this as well, I will provide, uh, I will provide that link in that description. Um, but besides that, where can folks find you to kind of know, you know, kind of to follow you, to interact with you, to see what you're doing? Where can folks find you? Sure. So uh, our, our main kind of uh, front of communication is uh, through inter Instagram. So okay. if you just search for Ancient Layer, you can find us on Instagram um, and on Facebook as Ancient Layer UK. 
Okay. Um, and we we post loads of updates and pictures of the website and some of the art on there that you can kind of have a little look at now and kind of get a good preview of how the website's going to look um, and some of the art assets that we have. Um, and if you need to get in touch, then just feel free to contact us through one of those motions. Or um, once the Kickstarter is live, you can uh, just jump into the comments section. More than happy to answer any questions that you have. And, and I will say this too as well, not, not only because you're on the show, but because, you know, you know, we're friends, you know, outside of podcasting and everything like that. Um, you know, the folks at Ancient Layer are great. The team behind Ancient Layer and the team behind you, Shane, are really great. Um, you're very personable and you're quite lovely to just speak to and, and to hang out with. So folks out there listening, make sure to follow Ancient Layer, make sure to support the Kickstarter. Um, it's going to be a really great Kickstarter, but also it's got a lot of value. Like just, just in my head, monetarily, I'm like, dang, this is going to provide so much to me. And it's always going to save me a lot of money um, in the long term. But not only just that, you know, removing the monetary perspective as a world builder, as a storyteller, um, you know, y'all know that those are kind of my bread and butter. This just gives you so much endless possibilities that you know, by having a system and a software like this, having a website like this, rather, it's going to be something that is going to stir your creative juices, so to speak. It's really going to help you start pumping out NPCs because if you're like me, I'm a visual person. I sometimes need to see, I need to play around with the design and I want to see, oh, I want to make this doctor who, you know, has white hair and she is you know maybe wears glasses but she's a gnome and all these different things i could kind of you know play around with it and i see the visual and then i can start writing that's how i get inspired so in this case for all of you who are very similar this is going to be a great opportunity for you for those who don't do that well great now you can take what you've written and put it you know to a visual perspective so folks, be sure to support the Ancient Layer Kickstarter. That link will be in the description. If you're hearing the audio version, that link will be shared um, in the description or in uh, some form. I'll, I'll double check just because uh, with podcasts, it gets a little bit uh, tricky to put that link. But thank you. I also put your link of your Instagram channel and handle in that description so that thank folks you. could follow you. No, oh, no problem, man. Thank you so much, Shane, for coming on to the show. I really appreciate it. Um, and for the folks out there listening, thank you again for listening. Be sure to subscribe to the Bearded Nerd Podcast. Leave us a review. Your reviews actually help the channel grow. And it helps me continue doing uh, what I'm doing here, which is talking to friends about D&D and about all sorts of nerdy things. So until next time, folks, keep gaming. Thank you.